Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. the 10 adventures podcast and today we have Erin back on the podcast now she's talked to us a few times about different destinations that she's traveled to including Iran and Saudi Arabia and West Africa and this time she's back talking to us about her recent trip to Iraq and I believe she was there in June of this year. So welcome, Erin. Thank you for having me again. Uh, it's great to have you here. So I'm seeing on social media more and more photos um, from people who are traveling to Iraq on, you know, many different sites. And so I was wondering, like, what's, why are people heading there right now? I think it's because uh, starting in, March of 2021, Iraq began offering a visa on arrival to people who were flying into Baghdad or Najaf or Basra or crossing by land from Kuwait into Basra. Uh, So before that, I think it was really hard to get a tourist visa to Iraq. I sort of looked into it when I visited uh, Iraqi Kurdistan in 2018. So I think this change has made it quite a lot easier to visit so people are going to check it out okay so that's why people are going now when people are deciding oh i want to go to iraq what's the draw like why do people want to go there i think a big part of the draw right now is just the fact that it's been a bit inaccessible for a while it's been difficult to visit people are curious they want to see what it's like and i also think there's quite a lot of really incredible sites that people are going to see. There's, for example, like ancient Babylon. Uh, There's tons and tons of ruins throughout the country that are not untouched, but, you know, really just like standing as is. Uh, There's Najaf and Karbala, the two very holy cities, just a little bit like a little bit of a drive from Baghdad. There's just quite a lot to see in South Iraq and it's a, quite an interesting time to go. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a very interesting place to visit with a lot of draws, things that people would really like to see. Um, So when you decided to go there, how did you decide to travel? Were you on a tour? Were you traveling by yourself? How did you arrange it all? Well, when I was first planning my trip, I was a little bit worried about traveling independently for no real reason, I just it was it was hard for me to find a whole lot of information about people who traveled independently, and I just wasn't sure how easy it was going to be if I was going to get uh, have trouble with language. Or I know there's a lot of military checkpoints throughout the country, so I did look into hiring a driver for part of it, or just you know hiring a driver for some day trips from Baghdad or something like that. But uh, I ended up doing mostly everything independently and traveling with some friends I made on a Facebook group called Iraqi Travelers Cafe. And ultimately, I think that was a really great way to travel. Uh, There's tons of public transit. It's really easy to get around from most big cities. 
And I, I found it really rewarding to travel independently. So I'm interested in the Facebook group. Tell me more about that. Uh, th- so there's a, a Facebook group called the Iraqi Travelers Cafe. Uh, I found out about it through a blog post, I think, by the globetrotting detective who was writing about writing her own Iraqi travel guide. The Iraqi Travelers Cafe is just a really great forum for travelers, um, for Iraqi travelers and people traveling to Iraq uh, to ask questions and to kind of see, to get a bit more information about uh, how to get it around and where to stay and things that might not be uh, readily available on like blog posts or on booking.com or, uh, you know, in a lonely planet guide. So I posted a few questions on there and then a couple uh, couple travelers who were also planning to be in Iraq at the same time as me reached out to me and we ended up all meeting up and traveling together throughout my time in Iraq. That would sounds like that would be very, very fun then and also a good source of information because you mentioned uh, Lonely Planet books and I was wondering, is there even a Lonely Planet for Iraq? I don't even know about that. And and you were there in June, so what was that like to be in Iraq in June? Uh, quite hot. <laughs> it was uh, it was over forty five degrees most places, and I remember checking the checking the temperature after I had left at the beginning of July or you know mid August or whatever, and it had gotten even hotter since. But I think most Iraqis I met don't su- suggest visiting. Uh, between June and August because of the heat and the heat is is was pretty intense but thankfully also quite dry so you're not it's not as bad as I guess it could have been (laughs) right so you started your trip in Baghdad and how much time did you spend there um I overall I had five days in Baghdad I think I had three in the beginning and two at the end and was that a good amount of time, or would you recommend more or less? I thought five days was really perfect. Maybe even four days would have been okay, but there's quite a lot to see and do in Baghdad. Uh, it's the second largest uh, Arab city. It's really hustly bustly. There's a like a lot of traffic. Um, it's a massive city to cover, so to get from one side to the other can take all day depending on how much traffic there is and it's a very historical city so there's so much to see and do in the old city and the newer areas and yeah I don't know I thought four days was a really or five days was a really great amount of time and four days would have probably been good as as well. Which part did you head to after Baghdad? Which part did you head to next? I headed to Mosul for a couple days which is uh, a bit north of Baghdad on the way to Iraqi Kurdistan and then from Mosul I headed back down via Baghdad to Karbala and Najaf. So when you said you headed down to Karbala and Najaf um, what were you headed to see there? Uh, So Karbala and Najaf are two very holy cities in Shia Islam. Each have two really big shrines that, that are pretty much like a like a city within a city they're these they kind of have a their own their own souk 
and hotels and restaurants, these big shrines as well. And they're haram areas where women have to wear chador or an abaya and cover their head. And uh, for example, like women have to wear socks and it's a, uh, it's a bit strict on dress for men as well. I'm interested to hear like, so what exactly were the rules for men and women there? Cause I, I always figured that's something that um, as Western travelers, you know, we're kind of worried, well, what do I wear? What, you know, what do I, what are the things I have to do to be polite? Definitely less strict for, uh, for men, but for me, at the entrance to the holy part of this like shrine complex, you have to go through sec- security and you can rent a chador, like one of the black cloaks that covers your head and drapes around your body and they're free. You just give a piece of ID or, you know, a $5 bill and as, as, as a deposit and you can rent one. Women have to stay pretty covered throughout the area. And how about when you're outside of that complex? Um, is it bit, a bit more liberal there? Outside of the complex, you still have to cover your head and wear a headscarf, but you don't have to wear the whole cloak. I still did just because most women are, but um, outside of the Haram air area, it's a little bit, there's a little bit more room to dress just conservatively. When you were in Najaf and Karbala, like, what are you seeing there? Why, why would I want to go? Pretty much for the shrine. So between Najaf and Karbala is uh, every year there is a massive pilgrimage called Arbaeen. Uh, and it's people walk from either Najaf to Karbala or sometimes even from Basra in the very south to Karbala. But uh, they're just two of the holiest cities in Shia Islam. And you go to see the big shrine com- com- uh, complexes. They're just absolutely stunning. Like like nothing you've ever seen before. And they're just incredibly holy places. They're jam-packed from people all over the world. It's just like a really like indescribable experience to visit. And everything is just so detailed and gorgeous. and really vibrant and packed and uh you know people are just really passionate about being there and it's just it's like a very real experience to have it sounds fascinating i think i'd love to go experience that after you were in karbala and najaf um what were some other highlights that you visited visiting the ancient city of babylon was very cool. It's uh, it's about an hour from Baghdad or about 40 minutes from Karbala and it's all being rebuilt so it's you're, you're kind of just walking around uh, kind of like some new bricked buildings uh, but close to Babylon is one of Saddam Hussein's uh, old palaces which is like a big high- highlight of visiting that area. Um, and I thought that was a really, really interesting sight to see. Also visiting the uh, Mesopotamian marshes close to Nasiriya, which are about four hours from Karbala or Najaf. That is a big highlight because uh, it's this big marsh comp, uh, marsh or this big network of marshes where you can kind of like ride a boat through and see all these traditional marsh Arab homes that are 
actually situated in the marshes and it's full of like water buffalo. It's a bit cooler. That was also a big highlight. Mm, Those sound really interesting. In fact, I think uh, some of the images that I see uh, on social media are of Saddam Hussein's palace and the gates of Babylon, um, in addition to Karbala. So those are things at least I can picture in my mind from what I've seen um, online and on social media. Yeah, they're both really great. And you know, traveling around when you were doing all this traveling between different places, how were you getting around? Was that something like public transit or do you have to have a driver or how do you do that? Uh, city to city, it's very easy to get a shared taxi or a minibus. Every city has a kind of a garage where shared taxis all leave from. And you usually just have to wait for three or four more people to fill up a car and you're on your way and they're all pretty affordable like i think you're all between you know 10 and 25 dollars or so um for a seat and the ac in all of them was really really good so that was something i was kind of worried about but never had to have concern for i imagine if you were trapped in a shared taxi with no ac that would in june that might be a little tough yeah (laughs) a bit of a deal breaker (laughs) But then uh, to get kind of anywhere outside of the city, you do usually have to hire a private taxi, which was always also pretty easy. If you can negotiate a price and it's it's never hard to find someone who's willing to drive you. How would you do that um, with language? Because I'm assuming you're not speaking the local language there. Sometimes I just use Google Translate or sometimes, uh, you know, get uh, someone working at any hotel I was staying at to try to help or just mime it out a little bit or show them a picture of where I want to go or things like that or I learned a few a few words in Arabic just saying like how much or trying to learn numbers or little things like that to try to help me but ultimately I think if if you're trying you can usually get your point across if it's if you're you know making an effort and being a bit creative yeah, that sounds pretty good. How about the food? Did was um were there any surprises with the food when you were there? I I honestly found with the heat it was it was a little bit hard to enjoy a lot of food there just cuz with the, you know, mid 40 degree heat throughout the the day I wasn't overly hungry, but um Iraq is really known for a dish called maskouf, which is uh carp from the Tigris and Euphrates, cooked over a uh, cook like cooked over the fire. Um, so I tried that for my last night in Baghdad and wasn't a huge fan. But I did also have some really good kebabs throughout Iraq, which was quite nice. There's tons of uh, really good local food places in Baghdad, especially in the old the old city. So I really did. Uh, try a lot of really good local food Um, I wish I could remember more of the names but I do remember it was it was a little bit hard to eat a lot just because of the heat yeah I could imagine that how about the local people did you get much of a chance to interact with the locals yeah I'm Iraqi people were just so friendly and so nice and so funny and so 
heartwarming to be around most of the time. Like it was had a lot of really great interactions. I think my favorite one was uh, I was on a, a, a little mini bus going to the shrine, um, Alaskari shrine in Samara. And it was my first time wearing a chador and I couldn't really figure out how to get it on properly. And this lady beside me who was visiting from, um, I think she was visiting from Kirkuk, but you know, just this lady, she kind of smiled at me. She really helped me. Like she pretty much was like, put your hands down. And, uh, she just did my chador up for me, did it really, really tight, way better than I ever could have. And then we kind of had a little, a little chat uh, given our like our overlapping language skills uh, and she was just a really sweet lady and then a few days later I saw her in Kufa which is a city like you know two or two and a half hour, hours away and I saw her at, at a shrine there where I was wearing a chador properly so it was just like a really serendipitous moment where you know we'd had this nice interaction and then I saw her again and we had another really sweet interaction as well i hope she high-fived you for getting it right the second time yeah she did <laughs> well yeah <laughs> and then there's a my friend peter who i met on the facebook group we were in naziria in the middle of the day which is kind of the big city one hour from the marshes and we were looking for a taxi to go to chibayish which is the city most people go to to visit the marshes or, or not really a city like a a, a village um and it was midday it was very very hot we were kind of a bit exhausted at that point and um a man walked past and we were like oh excuse me do you speak english and he's like oh yeah and we're like oh wow great uh could you help us find like uh get a taxi to chibayish and he was like oh for sure why don't you guys come over for a minute uh before you get a taxi so you just have a a second to cool down and we can have a bit of lunch and we we're like oh that sounds amazing. Thank you so much. And so we went to his house and he prepared us this, like probably the best meal I had throughout Iraq. It was like this incredible, like chicken and rice with like watermelon and dates with tahini. And there was aubergine and, uh, this kind of vegetable frittata had type of dish his wife had made. And, uh, it was just like, there's yogurt and like the food was like nonstop. There's probably like 10 or 10 or 12 dishes down at once, but it was just like great lunch. Uh, and we ate with his two kids who were just like the, like the most bubbly, like smiley young men I've ever met. And it was just like a really, really nice little, um, in, in, intermission in the, in the day. And then afterwards he dropped us off at the garage and helped us organize a taxi to Chobayish. Wow, that sounds like almost one of the highlights of the trip. Yeah, it was a really great, really great experience. And to think that happened just with asking someone to help you negotiate a taxi, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> and, you know, I was wondering, um, you were saying that, you know, Iraq hasn't been the most popular destination for travelers uh, until recently. It's picking up a bit. But... So then how, how are things there with accommodation? Like, are there lots of options for different, you know, levels of accommodation or is it quite limited in areas? Honestly, I found Iraq compared to places like places I've been like Pakistan or Sudan to be uh, 
really easy to find accommodation like uh especially Najaf and Karbala because since they're such holy cities they're big pilgrimage sites there's just tons and tons and tons of budget hotels throughout both of those cities in Baghdad there's a lot of hotels most of them are relatively mid-range but through the Facebook group the Iraqi Travers Cafe uh, they offer discounts to members of that group to two hotels in Baghdad so I stayed at one of those for $25 a night and it was great you know like a twin bed AC clean bathroom like everything you could ever want for $25 yeah I found it actually quite easy to find accommodation it was a pretty yeah like pretty easy to find places on maps.me online and otherwise and then how about safety I'm sure a lot of people would wonder like is it safe to be in Iraq right now I was definitely worried about safety when I was visiting. Um, I use a, I use an app for safety and travel called My Safe Travel, and it kind of gives you a lot of different embassy updates on safety in each country. And you know, compared to say Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan, which were two countries I was planning to visit after, Iraq had quite a lot more updates on My Safe Travel every time I check. I personally felt very very safe when I was traveling there like I there wasn't really any moment where I I felt um personally unsafe I I also felt like as a woman uh I felt very safe throughout Iraq I never felt like at all harassed or kind of made to feel uncomfortable um in in my personal experience especially compared to places like Egypt where you know I think I felt maybe a bit harassed more often than Iraq. I think the situation probably does change quite frequently. So it's good to kind of keep an eye out on what is going on there at the time that you plan to visit. But yeah, in June when I went, I was really surprised with how, how safe it felt. Oh, that sounds good. I, I often hear people talking though about um, checkpoints um, in the streets and I'm assuming those are security checkpoints did you have any experiences with that yeah there's quite a few checkpoints when you're going city to, to city uh, but they're usually pretty straightforward just you just have to have your passport out and ready and be a bit patient and do some chit chat but um, yeah usually it's just a, a quick passport check and maybe a couple questions and then you're on your way Okay, so those weren't a major detraction or anything like that. Not a major one. Like there was, there was definitely a couple where it, you know it takes fifteen or twenty minutes, and it would behoove you to have like a contact who speaks a bit of Arabic to help you navigate those. But they're not at all intimidating or um, super inconvenient. Well. It sounds like a really fascinating place to visit. I've seen a few of your photos that um, you sent to me, and it looks amazing, some of the images that I saw from you and then also from other people online. Um, and your stories make it seem so fascinating. So thanks so much for talking to us about it. Thanks, Karen. Cheerio.
Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.